fossil fans and dino lovers. Welcome to the Paleo Podcast, brought to you by the Cranbrook Institute of Science and Podcast Nation. Here are your hosts, Tim and Dr. Andrew. All right, Tim, are you excited for this episode? Yeah, baby. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what it's all about. Yeah, possibly the most popular dinosaur thing in existence. And for this episode, we have spared no expense. We will be talking about none other than the famous movie, Jurassic Park. And make sure you stick around at the end for our very interesting and specific question of the day that we will attempt to answer here. I just want to point out, before we get too deep into this episode, I love Jurassic Park. And and my whole life is revolving around my obsession about this movie. Uh-huh. That said, yeah. I'm going to be very harsh and critical uh-huh, about uh-huh. this movie uh, in the next couple minutes. Yeah, I was so say. Uh, I do love it, mm-hmm. but, but let's <laughs> but it's WrestleMania yeah. on this movie now. Yeah, you know you're about to go go all in when there's a qualifying statement here. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, for better or for worse, Jurassic Park is where most people learn about dinosaurs. It's true. They have a kind of accidentally taken the responsibility of dinosaurs in the public eye Mm -hmm. for themselves. And, and people in Hollywood have actually said they've pitched movies featuring dinosaurs to Hollywood executives in the past. And those executives turn it down because they say dinosaurs are Jurassic park and we're not touching dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to compete with. Right. And you know, I've met many paleontologists as well who like that was the spark that got them into the field as well. So there's a lot of good that these movies did. While the films themselves are fantastic, they are very clearly entertaining. So the portrayals of the dinosaurs in relation to their real life counterparts, eh, usually pretty inaccurate. Some of it is excusable, though. I mean, a lot of this, you know, there were some Hollywood liberties where they just made choices because of what looked cool. But it's also important to know that, you know, almost 30 years ago now this movie was made and we have learned a lot more about dinosaurs since that's, then. Yeah, that's exactly right. At the time that movie came out, it was one of the best portrayals of dinosaurs. This movie came out in 1993 mm-hmm. at the time. Movies and books were still portraying dinosaurs as walking upright, dragging their tails. Mm-hmm. This is this is the kind of level of paleontology or, or I guess paleontology in the media we were dealing with at that time. Right. So let's just, I guess, let's go through this step by step here. So the first thing in the movie right off the bat is they cloned dinosaurs. And it was from, there was a mosquito that was trapped inside of amber that they were able to extract dinosaur DNA from. Right. So, Dino DNA. Yeah. I have memorized all of Mr. DNA's speech by heart. Okay, so that is not exactly possible, is it? 30 years ago, when that movie came out, and you know, even earlier in the book, where the book was released in 1990, uh, that scene was potentially really plausible, or at least that scene, the DNA in Amber, mm-hmm. was something no one had ever thought about before. Gotcha. Uh, and and the idea was when the mosquito sucks the blood of a dinosaur, mm-hmm. and they did live in the Cretaceous period, mm-hmm. uh, when they suck the blood of a dinosaur, they would then get trapped in the resin. Uh, that would turn into amber, and the blood would be f- still inside their abdomen. Yeah. Blood contains DNA, so you could extract the DNA and then clone it. Sure, makes sense. And it's because of that movie 
that a lot of studies have gone into DNA. We now know DNA just does not last long enough. Uh, About 10,000 years is what I keep seeing, potentially a little longer, uh, but you're never going to get anything from the Mesozoic era or even really any of those cool prehistoric animals from this method. Yep. Even if we did extract DNA from a Mesozoic mosquito and you cloned it and mm-hmm. put it in a park, you're going to have the worst theme park of all time because it's just going to be full of mosquitoes uh, yeah, at okay. that point too. Yeah, I would I would pay not to go to that park. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some research on this and I think they've tested like what are the most ideal conditions you could ever have DNA in. And even under, you know, if you get everything exactly right, it's like seven or eight million years, everything is gone. Right, yeah. And and one other thing too, even as a kid watching this, I always thought it was weird. Uh, we now know birds are dinosaurs, right. and they even say it in the movie several times. Granted, when the character does say it, he gets laughed at in the mm-hmm. beginning. But why on earth would they use frog DNA <laughs> to fill in the gaps when a chicken is yeah. a million times better and easier and more affordable? I just I never got that as a kid. Yeah, that's that's a good point there. And you know, for anyone else who may not, you know, I don't know have a supreme understanding of DNA sequencing. Unfortunately, it's not that easy that you can just splice together genetic code from different animals <laughs> to make your own. That'd be cool, but unfortunately not. The famous dinosaur, I guess just in general, but also in Jurassic Park is the T-Rex. So the big question is, how did they do? Well, all right. So we did talk a lot about T-Rex in a prior episode. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to that one, I highly recommend it. And uh, we did mention about what T-Rex got right and wrong in the movie. Mm -hmm. I would say, bar none, the worst thing the movie gets about T-Rex is the eyesight. Oh, yeah. Don't move and it won't be able to see you. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, as we now know, T-Rex's vision is 13 times better than a human and maybe like four or so times better than a hawk. Mm. This thing had eyesight that is one of, if not the best eyesights of any land animal of all time. It is absolutely going to see you if you don't move. Yeah. That is that is almost like the one thing not to do to a T-Rex. So this is basically just propaganda put out by a T-Rex so that it has an easier time to eat you if it sees you, right? Yeah, and it's I don't get it. You know, mo- normally movies really hype things up. This is this time they nerfed the T-Rex in the movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Um but the look of the T-Rex is really not that bad. Perhaps it's a little thin. It's okay. a little on the thinner side. Uh but the T-Rex in the movies are really not that bad uh, in terms of how they look. In fact, they're one of the better-looking dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and have held up a lot longer than most others. Gotcha. Um, And I do want to say one good thing they did get right about T-Rex, kind of, is T-Rex physically couldn't run. And Mm. uh, there's that famous scene in the Jeep, you know, must go faster. The T-Rex is chasing the Jeep. While the T-Rex will never be able to catch the Jeep because it could only move at about 12 or 15 miles an hour, if you pay close attention to the movie and you watch the feet, the T-Rex is not running. It always has one foot on the ground at all times. To run, there's a moment in time where both feet are off the ground. Right. So that T-Rex is not running, which is correct. T-Rex couldn't run. So I don't know if they planned for that or if that was intentional, but that is actually a really good detail and i do got to give them 
credit for that one. Okay, yeah. So when I think of that scene too, is it an effective way to like detect if a T-Rex is getting close to you by having a glass of water that you can watch if any ripples are forming as a T-Rex approaches? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a famous scene, right? And movies like Toy Story have even mimicked that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no. You, uh, oh, a glass of water is not a good alarm system for a T-Rex. Okay, why not though? Well, T-Rexes did weigh a lot. You know, they're around like nine tons. However, uh, heavy animals today like elephants have pads on the bottom of their feet that are almost like pillows. They do that so that their own weight doesn't damage their toe bones and they don't crush their bones under their weight, but it comes with a side effect. And that means that they can't... Uh, make a sound when they walk, or at least they don't make a sound when right, they walk. Right. Hmm. Uh, you would not hear a T-Rex coming. Yeah. I mean, all of this makes sense in the context of T-Rex were apex predators. So of course you don't want them to be something that can't see. And you know, their, their prey is going to hear them a mile away. So it makes them more terrifying, but it all makes sense from a scientific yeah. point of view. You know what? Maybe I just thought of this too, to their credit, the T-Rex does always pop out of nowhere and completely catch everything off guard. So maybe they're onto something there. Yeah. Okay. And last thing about the T-Rex, it has that very famous roar. Is that accurate? Not at all. No, okay. I, you know, they say never meet your heroes, mm -hmm. right? Dinosaurs physically did not roar. Oh, not okay. a single one of them. Only mammals roar. Uh, and it's funny, they used mammals like uh, uh, elephants and lions and tigers to make the sounds of the T-Rex. Uh, but T-Rex was very quiet. It would have sounded more like the hissing of a crocodile oh, rather than the bellowing of an elephant, yep. which is what you hear in the movie. Huh. Okay, well, I think T-Rex is sufficiently hanging its head in shame, and we've we've done all we can do with the T-Rex. So. That'll teach him. Yep, exactly. So how about the other famous scene that really sticks out to me when I think about the movie is when they're, they're first driving in, and they haven't really seen a dinosaur yet, and they all turn their heads, and they see all of those Brachiosaurus. Oh, the Brachiosaurus. One of the most like magical moments in movie history mm -hmm. is when the Brachiosaurus walks out and it eats the tree and it right. gets up and all the characters are crying. And yet there is not a single Brachiosaurus in Jurassic Park. Oh, no. The animal you see is not a Brachiosaurus. I've been fooled. What is it? So uh, uh, in um, the Jurassic period, uh, in what is now North America and what is now Africa, there were two long-necked dinosaurs uh, that look very similar. In North America, it is Brachiosaurus, and in uh, Africa, it is Giraffe Titan. Ah. And to their credit, they did not, you know, they wouldn't have known at the time. At the time, they were both called Brachiosaurus. Okay. However, the North American specimens were only known from very few fossils, but the fossils in Africa were known from a lot. So they designed the Brachiosaurus based off of the African fossil, and now we know that that's not a Brachiosaurus, it's a Giraffe Titan. So while that is a good, decent Giraffe Titan, it is not a Brachiosaurus anymore. Gotcha. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a wager here that this next part is not accurate. Do they really, when they're trying to eat some food, stand up on their hind legs like a dog getting a treat? Not at all. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense to as heavy as T-Rex was. Yeah. Sauropods were way heavier than that. Right, probably break its legs on the way down, right? Not, yeah. And not only that, though, 
anytime you move, any movement you make takes energy mm -hmm. or calories, right? And sauropods needed tons of calories to, to uh, stay active. So they needed to eat all the time. Now, they had these long necks, and animals today with long necks like giraffes eat from the tops of trees. However, eating from the tops of trees are super inefficient. In order to get your cow, you know, in order to eat a tree, you got to walk around it, or in right. the movie's case, you got to stand all the way up to catch it. Mm -hmm. But what if instead they would use their necks not to eat trees, but to eat the plants down low to the ground? Mm -hmm. That way they can keep their feet still, they don't have to walk, and they could just sweep their heads left to right like a giant weed whacker yeah, and okay. eat all of the plants without having to move much at all. That makes sense. Now they're getting their calories without moving around too much. So if I was directing that movie again, instead of the Brachiosaurus eating the tree, I'd have it low down to the ground and eating from the from the ground. Okay. Maybe one of these days we'll see the Tim cut of Jurassic Park. It'll be glorious. Yeah, there you go. I'll hey, I'll get a ticket. <laughs> All right. So the next one that I think of very famous in the movie are the velociraptors. Ah, so mm -hmm. we have known about velociraptors for like almost a hundred years. Oh, okay. Uh or so. And they have lived in obscurity until Jurassic Park came out. And not a single velociraptor is in the movie. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Wait, so what are they? So there is a much larger raptor called Deinonychus. And uh, uh, at the time, uh, or I would say in the 80s or so, some scientists thought that maybe Deinonychus in North America and Velociraptor in Mongolia were the same spe or same genus called Velociraptor. However, we now know that they're separate. And we knew that when the movie was being filmed. However, Steven Spielberg thought the name Velociraptor sounded way cooler than the name Deinonychus. And you know what? Yeah, it does. Let's be real. That is like the coolest name for an animal ever. That's so true. he took all of his Velociraptor, all of his Deinonychus and renamed them Velociraptor instead. So Deinonychus is the movie star and Velociraptor stole the spotlight, so to speak. Okay. What about the sounds they made? Was there any truth to that? The sounds? Uh, so, uh, again, they weren't probably that vocal. They mm -hmm. did use mammals again for all of the sounds. Mm -hmm. They used purring, they used dolphins. So in, uh, Jurassic Park as well, uh, velociraptors are those big, scary, scaly animals. However, we now know that every raptor was feathered, uh, completely feathered, including, uh, wings. They had long wings, just like a bird would. But they couldn't fly. Uh, instead, we now think that those wings helped with balance and support. Um, the way raptors probably hunted is a method called raptor prey restraint, or RPR, uh, where they would have hopped up onto the backs of their prey, using their large sickle claws to hold on extra tight. And as that prey is bucking them off, you know, like an angry bull, they would flap their wings to stay balanced on top of this prey and... Uh, as as the character in the movie Alan Grant says, you are alive when they start to eat you, which would would still happen. Oh, okay. That yeah, would have been a cool thing to see too. Yeah. Now, uh, maybe one of the most infamous scenes in the movie is when the uh, character says, yeah, we're safe as long as raptors can't open doors. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it cuts to a raptor opening up a door. Uh, as cool as that is, it wouldn't have been possible. So uh, in 
every Jurassic Park movie, most of their dinosaurs have the wrong position of hands oh. where their palms are face down. They kind of look like a zombie bunny rabbit. They keep their hands in front of them, and they, they kind of look like they don't know what to do with their hands. Yeah, okay. Uh, but that is incorrect, and the only way a dinosaur could do that is if their wrists were broken. Instead, dinosaurs, including raptors, held their hands as if they were mid-clap, where oh, both okay. palms are facing each other. That makes sense. This, this would work with the context of a wing, right? Mm -hmm. That is how a wing would be held, uh, but that would also make opening doors pretty tough. Okay. Although they probably were smart enough to. Birds can open doors in their own ways. You know, I've seen a chicken do it, right, so yeah, okay. I wouldn't put it past them, <laughs> but they weren't using their hands to do that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So I guess if you are getting chased down by not velociraptors, you can hide in the kitchen with a decent chance of success. Speaking of chase down, uh -oh. we love seeing raptors running, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can ride your motorcycle with them, right? But they weren't that fast. Okay. Well, raptors had really short legs compared to their bodies and uh that means that they weren't being able to move as fast as you would like and therefore uh probably more ambush predators rather than pursuit predators okay well i'll take my wins where i can get them here you know t-rex <laughs> so far is more likely to be able to eat me and you know yeah. velociraptors less so young right. t-rexes actually behave way more like raptors than the raptors do oh of course they do yeah hmm. okay so the other okay if i'm if i'm thinking of the movie I'm trying to think of other parts that might not be accurate. And I really wonder about that one dinosaur that shoots venom sludge at one of the antagonists. Is that a real thing? There, okay, so that dinosaur, uh, in the movie, they call it Dilophosaurus. Okay. And even that is wrong. Oh, the pronunciation okay. is Dilophosaurus. Uh -huh. And that is the perfect way to encapsulate how well portrayed this dinosaur is. Uh -oh. We know it for two reasons from this movie it has a neck frill that shoots out and rattles like a snake and it spits venom in the eyes of any unfortunate person that stands in its way and both of those are entirely completely wrong oh bummer so the venom was originally a interesting theory uh the skeletons of dilophosaurus that have been known back then were very uh, uh scant and the bones were very thin and frail um However, they were predators, so scientists were wondering how they could catch their prey without being able to bite very well, and mm -hmm. they thought maybe they were venomous. Uh, that was a really quick thought, and no one really truly believed it. However, the movie took it because it, it does sound kind of interesting. The neck frill is completely fabricated and was only there because Spielberg did not want anyone to confuse the Dilophosaurus with a Velociraptor. So he did everything he could to make it look as distinct as possible. Okay. It's also kind of funny because it's one of the rare occasions where Hollywood makes something smaller instead of bigger. Yeah. So the real Dilophosaurus was, at the time, in the early Jurassic, the largest predatory animal to ever walk on Earth. Oh, wow. Okay. It was about 24 feet long. Mm. In the movie, it's about like six feet long. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was, it's, it's completely different from the animal we see today. Hmm. Okay, so in summary, Jurassic Park is a decent bit of, you know, they just didn't have this information at the time, and also a little bit of Hollywood magic to make the film fit the script a bit better, right? That's right. Okay. Uh, but because because it was so masterfully done and mm -hmm. so well directed and and respectful to the dinosaurs even if they're not 
necessarily true to them, uh, it still holds up as one of the best movies, in my opinion, of, uh, that's ever been made. So this is a really fitting question of the day that we have, and it's well in line with what we've talked about today. So one of the dinosaurs that I feel like has a history of having incorrect or weird guesses as to how it may have looked and functioned, the Stegosaurus. So, I mean, if you ever, yes, yes. (laughs) And if you come to Cranbrook Institute of Science, we have a very famous Steggy, as we have named them outside of the Institute. So here's a couple things that I have heard about the Stegosaurus um, that scientists used to think may have been the case. One was that their brain may have been shaped long and thin, kind of like a hot dog. I've also heard that they may have had a second brain in their behind. And I've also heard that those giant plates on their back may have been used to regulate their body temperature. And from what I understand, we don't think any of those things anymore, correct? Most of that. Okay. So their their brain was long and thin, shaped like a hot dog. Okay. People like to call it walnut-sized brain, but that's what's inaccurate. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, their brains were, were a little longer than a walnut, and uh, they weren't as small as people like to say they were. Okay. However, having having a brain in your behind mm-hmm. is is laughable. For for whatever reason, they thought that like in the 1800s. Yeah, why? That, you know, I honestly, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, of course, Stegosaurus did not have a brain in its backside. Yeah, that, okay. is, that is humorous now. The idea that they used their plates to regulate body temperature was a popular theory back in the day. Some people still remember it. However, it has been completely disproven for three reasons. Ooh. One is uh, dinosaurs are warm-blooded, not cold-blooded, mm-hmm. which means they don't need their plates or their, you know, they don't need the sun to warm them up anymore. Right. These plates thought were thought to have acted like solar panels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that wasn't necessary anymore. That's out the window. The second reason that is not the case now is uh, there are many different types of stegosaurs and uh, stegosaurus is only one of them. And stegosaurus is pretty much the only one with plates quite like that. A lot of them don't have many plates at all. A lot of them have different shaped plates or size plates if they were that important to stegosaurs to live, that it warms their body up, it should be universal. Every one of them should have those plates, and they don't. And lastly, uh, we now know that those plates were covered in something called keratin, which is what our fingernails are made out of. Mm. Uh, This keratin would have prevented the blood from receiving a lot of cooling and warming from the sun, which made the plates impossible to regulate body temperature. Uh, Okay. Uh, we now believe that the plates were used simply as a social display uh, to kind of be bright and colorful and basically just look cool to other stegosauruses to uh, help find them a mate, which is what birds do today all the time so they can make dolphin noises. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a shame there wasn't a Jurassic Park in the 1800s that we could criticize, but we do have all these early dinosaur reconstructions. And I'll be curious, you know, 10, 20, even 50, 100 years from now, how much our perception and reconstructions of dinosaurs changes with new information that we get. So something to look forward to. The Paleo Podcast is produced by the Cranbrook Institute of Science and Podcast Nation. Thanks for listening.